gentlemen, boys and girls, cheerleaders, welcome to Tatami Talk. My name is Juan. This is my Jukon partner, Anthony. This is a judo podcast for judo players by two judo players. So, Anthony, how you been this week? Pretty good. Uh, damn, there was something I wanted to talk about. I totally forgot. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think I mentioned we went back to jujitsu training in my um, yeah. my dojo. So, it, you want to guess what the what we worked on the first two weeks? Let me think. Heel hooks? No, so no, close, but um, well, actually, not close. Uh, my the way that my do, um the club works. That well, the reason why I picked them is because they start from standing, and every time they usually start from a takedown. They always teach a takedown, and it's pretty it's pretty legit takedown too. It's you know some BJJ right. places teaches like a shitty seoinage or something. So <laughs> I love our bad leg. Yeah, I love my jujitsu club. So first week I was back, we do drop seoinage. Oh, okay. Okay. I, you know how I hate the word drop sale and because there's no such throws, but that's a different top. No, no such technique, but that's a different to- topic. So basically a drop throw. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't do that. So I just, <laughs> not on your knees. I just took, I, I just took falls like for two weeks straight. And then um, uh-huh. you want to guess what we did this week, this past week? Drop <laughs> sale. I don't know then. <laughs> What'd you do? It's like some pseudo inside leg hook Tani Otoshi Kani Basami combination. Kind of Tani Otoshi Kami Basami. I, I don't know All how right. to describe it. You basically uh you basically take someone's back while standing up and then you swift to the uh switch to their side and then you hook mm-hmm. your right leg into their kind of like a sumigaishi position and then okay. you throw them backwards but from the side and not, and, and not breaking their leg. Yeah. There's, there's like a danger of sitting on top of your partner's knees, basically. And my, yeah. my, uh, instructor, my instructor basically said, when you do this, make sure you stay away from the knee. So you, when you sit down, <laughs> do the sacrifice throw, you don't sit on them. And of course my partner was like trying to get hit, trying to be like, Oh, I got to put my hand here. got to do this and that. And then I'm like, dude, Stop, stop, stop. You're like really close to my knee, really close to my knee. I just saw my knees like <laughs> flash by before my eyes, like my, my good knee. Uh, and um, yeah, it's just an scared. two weeks. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just an interesting two weeks. And I usually don't say anything because I'm, I'm still a white belt. I'm just, I don't want to correct it. But I, I was so nervous I had to say something. I'm like, yeah, you got to do this. Make sure your, your knee's too close. You're too close to my knee. You're too close to my knee. I had to say it over uh, and over again. Well, so, does your does your BJJ sensei, does he know you're brown belt in judo? Yeah, he knows. Yeah. So he knows okay. I'm, I know what I'm doing. So, yeah. All right. Um, All right. It, which, is, which is funny because there was one time I partnered with the same guy and we we're doing the drop sailway throw. And uh-huh. he was doing the grip wrong. And then my, my professor was like, oh, Anthony, you know how to do it. Just teach him how to do it. So I was like, oh, you got to pop your elbow in there. And he, okay, so he that, got the drop part. Uh-huh. Well, that was the second so part of my question right there. <laughs> <laughs> so he was doing drop so nagi with your elbow in the armpit, not just ipon so nagi style. Yeah, we're doing a cross grip. So same side, cross grip, uh, and then popping the elbow like Morita style. And then mm-hmm. dropping to your knees and then doing a throw. So he was having trouble with the both the footwork and the hand coordination, right? So uh-huh. I told him like, "Oh, you gotta do this with your hand." So he did it, but he forgot about the drop part, and he just literally sent me launching. And <laughs> and then my, my my professor's like, 
you're lucky he knows how to fall. Like, you, you know, like and everyone, some, someone around us was just, I heard in the back, it was like, wait, are we doing standing? And everyone was like scared because I'm a big guy, right? So you hear, you just hear my whole body like thump and you hear my loud uh, break fall. So everyone looked over like, what the hell was that? And you hear everybody go, ooh. <laughs> there wasn't ooh. It was, I think it was, it was just silence. Like it, to me, it felt like silence, but. I'm just like, okay, like you can't do that to someone else. So I, I guess I was lucky that I got paired with them. So, uh, just or maybe I gave them wrong instructions. I'm a bad teacher. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you're okay. You're okay, Anthony. Don't worry about it. You're all right. You're not bad. <laughs> so, yeah, so that, uh, do you want to talk? My week. <laughs> <laughs> that was your week. <laughs> it's funny. Myself, I've had a very interesting week. You know, I've had. Um, so the, one of the TV shows I work on this season, which has been very crazy, uh, we're doing the season finale, the very last episode. And it's actually the last week of shooting. And because it's a cop show, mm-hmm. guess what? Fires look good at night. Police lights look good at night. <laughs> I know all these movements look good at night. So guess what I've been doing for four nights in a row? <laughs> I saw your Instagram. You were like up at <laughs> three or four in the morning, like filming until six. Yep, it was dust till dawn shooting. We get there and we get there like five, get off work at six for four days in a row. It's crazy. <laughs> but you all know, right. I'm happy to be working. I'm happy to be working. That's all I can say. So that's a little <laughs> bit about us and what's happening with us this week. So uh, we talked about before MMA in um, well judo in MMA or MMA in judo actually. Uh, so this past week or actually last week actually now. On uh, was it May sixth? Kayla Harrison had a had her latest fight in PFL. Uh, of course, not of course, but she won again. She won in the first round at a minute and twenty three seconds by a ground and pound. So the girl, the woman that she was fighting, uh, she body locked her, and she came in with. Um, I would say it's a Tanyo Toshi she threw her with, mm-hmm. but I know some of the people say like, oh no, it was more like Sakurinage. Either way, the body locked Tanyo Toshi Sakurinage kind of technique drug her to the ground uh, grappled with her got top mount just grounded pounded to the rest stopped it so that's great for her still undefeated that moves her now to nine and oh and this is her fighting back at uh 155 because at pfl that's where she defends her title at yeah. did you get to watch yeah, the match she doesn't have a I, I saw the finish. I thought the ref stop was it was a super late stoppage with what I thought and uh <laughs> PFL is don't. I, I think UFC doesn't have 155, but um, Kayla's no, been saying no. like, Kayla's been saying how she can drop the 145 if she want to for UFC. Well, and well, that's what she put did up against Nunes. Once, yeah, yeah, that's what she did once so far during the summertime. She had that one fight, I believe it was in Bellator. She went and fought at was it Bell? No, it was Invicta. It was Invicta, I think it was. Invicta, yeah. Where she fought. Uh, she cut down to 145 for the first time to show that was that she can do it, but she prefers to fight at 155. We're like, hey, I can go to 145. That opens up fights against, you know, in the UFC, Amanda Nunes. If she goes to Bellator, she can fight Cyborg. So it opens up fights for her. But yeah, the only <laughs> only legit MMA place that has a 50, 155 for women's is PFL. Unless she wants to go fight in Asia and Ryzen. <laughs> It would be interesting to watch them to fight like Nunez and uh, Kayla because they're on the same team. Like they train out of the same facility. So, oh yeah, they are both American fight top team, same. aren't they? Yeah, it would be. Yeah. it'll be interesting. Yep. Ah, okay. I didn't think about that aspect, but yeah, you're true. That is very true, right there. Mm-hmm. Huh? 
Um, another fight that happened this weekend, actually it happened last week. It was, I was watching, um, like I like watching these highlight videos of like fights around the world, who's coming up and stuff. And one of the fights was, it was in Australia, this guy named um, Kevin Jost or Jost. I can't remember what his full last name was. I didn't write it all the way down, but he's a French fighter. He fights out of Australia. Actually he fights out of New Zealand. He fights with uh, city kickboxing. He's a national judo champion, they're saying, but he had a great fight. And you should watch his highlights because he's just throwing these guys with Harayagoshi. And it was, um, he did, in the highlights they showed two of his really like, beautiful Harayagoshi. Then even, even um, uh, Izzy, I think, um, tweeted out one of his throws, yeah. like, just flying in the air. And he gone with this, it was a overhook, and it wasn't a wrist grab, it was more like a bicep grab for this Harayagoshi and just makes this guy okay. fly. And if you want to look up that fight, it was it's really good. That guy I think is gonna be up and comer. He's um, what is that I write down? I wrote down he's now five and one now. So you don't know, it might seem a UFC he must have soon. Big he hands for a bicep grab. Well, it wasn't like it was more like I want to say like because I couldn't tell if it was bicep or forearm. You know, it's, it, the angle I couldn't see it at where they had to throw. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to have big hands; just get a good grip on the bicep. You can throw a guy. But he was really coming up. Okay. Like I think he's coming up. Are you gonna look it up right now? <laughs> so no. <laughs> I'll yeah. look it up no, no, after so, this, though. That's oh, yeah, look it up after this. <laughs> I see, I see you type. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I need to look it up right now. Tell me, but I was really cool. I'm and, writing it down, writing notes down. No, they look it up afterwards. <laughs> and then another one that another judo player that did well. This actually for us, it was yesterday. I don't know when this episode's gonna come out, but it was last night at the UFC event. It was, um, was it, uh, Andrea KGB Andrea Andrea KGB Lee, she's only a brown belt in judo, mm-hmm. but the judo that she showed in her fight was amazing. In the first round, she got the girl down to Ochigari, and then the second round when she actually won the fight, it was so. They came in. She threw this spinning back elbow. It was supposed to be a form or something. I don't know what it was, but she came with the spinning back elbow, grabbed the girl's arm, makikomi onto the ground. Straight into oh Kesakatame. So she goes straight into Kesakatame right there. They scramble back up in the air. They stand back up. Then she throws her with, what was it? It was a uh, Harai. I think it was. Yeah. She throws her with Harai Goshi. Goes into Newaza. Gets her into Sankaku. Triangle. Gets her into Sankaku. Oh my and gosh. she's doing all these things like to try to like, elbowing her, trying to push her down. But her the girl that she's fighting, the one she's fighting, arm isn't across the throat. And you have, um, mm-hmm. it was uh, Joe and Cormier was like, oh, she needs to pull the head down. She needs to pull the head down. I'm like, her arm's not across the yeah. throat. It's not across the throat. We all know it's not going to. I mean, that, that's how I was taught too. It's, it's harder yeah. to finish, but if you pull the head down enough, it should be able to finish. Yeah. So she's fine to get that hand across the throat, but the other woman keeps on putting the arm like in the back. So she keeps on kind of like doing like little arm bars to it every now and then, but she's holding the Sankaku. She's trying to squeeze the legs together after a while. And then it's the last, um, was it the last 10 seconds of the fight? She hears the clapper, clack, clack. And then what does she do? She goes all out in the arm. So she, just, she grabs the arm and says, screw it. I'm going for it. Still in Sankaku, pulls the arm, gets the tap. And the arm like, it's out. Like the arm is out. It is stretched. You're like, oh, it's going to break. But luckily she tapped. She tapped. Like as soon as you see that little bend right there, you know, that little bend you're talking about, you start yep. seeing go inside out. She tapped. So. KGB won the last, she won in nine seconds left of the fight. It was just, it was great just seeing his judo player do that well. And there's a brown belt, not even a black belt, but it's showing a brown belt, a good brown belt using their judo correctly in judo and MMA. The thing about uh, 
I, I want to make note of submissions that I see women, I guess it's because they're more flexible. So mm-hmm. usually I see the women that get out of these crazy submissions or like, like you said, it bends all the way and you're like, Ooh, they're going to tap. And then they don't end up not tapping. Um, <laughs> yeah. page runs that is like a very good example of that. Um, and, but men, I guess it's like the flexibility is not there. So I usually see them tap to, to other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, I, I agree with you. Brown belt. I mean, d- depending on the dojo, we, we've already talked about this in pre- past episodes how every dojo and country is different on a brown belt. But I know on Reddit, there's a lot of us that are terminal brown belts, you know, like <laughs> terminal brown belt. <laughs> All right. If you're, ter- I'm going to say this right now, if you're a terminal brown belt, and I know Anthony hates when I bring this up, go to the USJF website, the USJA, USJF website, go to their black belt certifications, go to what they need to do for your black belt and take it to your sensei and be like, do I need to accomplish this to get my brown belt? And if you've been a brown belt for minimum three years, you should be starting to get your black belt. You should be starting on that path to getting a black belt, in my opinion, right? If you've been doing judo and you're in a brown belt for three years or more, you're dedicated, okay? If you're a full-time player, not when he's part-time guys, it's like, oh, I'm here for six months and I leave for two years and come back for three months, okay? <laughs> it's funny. I just had this you're... conversation with our sensei, Philippe. Like, like <laughs> yeah, time and grade only counts if you were on the mat, not if, like, I went on <laughs> vacation for, like, two years, you know? So, Dude, I've had so many people come with me with that argument, like, Oh, how is he's getting his black belt? I've been here longer than him. Yeah, he comes all the time. All right. You come only for the holiday party. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess people always talk about mat um time on the mat or hours on the mat, like even in BJJ. And mm-hmm. I think there's value in like studying videos and reading books and conditioning, like doing Uchikomi bands to well people see Uchikomi bands as a strength and conditioning, but I personally mm-hmm. see it as like, um, I tell people this, like it might not help with your quote unquote Kazushi. Uh, I don't like that term for Uchikomi bands, but um, it'll help you keep in form for like, you know how a lot of beginners, they pull an Uchikomi band and you do a Tayatoshi or something and they fall backwards. So yeah, if you're training to keep your form on your technique with those outside of the mat hours, I think those count too so just my opinion but no i get it i get it and it is i think also for me as an instructor when i see someone i think is ready for their black belt or been a brahma for a while and they tell me hey since you won what do i need to get my bro what do i need to get my black belt then i'm like okay he wants to get his black belt okay then i could talk to him okay you gotta learn this kata go to these few tournaments you know do you have any points all right well you don't have any points then let's do some big tournaments and let's see how you do you know, but if it's Remy somebody that for just comes bucks, right? <laughs> 200, that's pretty cheap. I go for a thousand usually. <laughs> I, uh, I do. Uh, oh, so it's a, it's a thousand dollar test. You know, it's 500 for the test and then it's 500 for the belt and certificates and my signature. <laughs> I got yeah, all breaking uh, down. Perform some sort of ritual on the belt oh, before giving it to you. <laughs> yeah, buy some candles, get some sage, you know. I, I'd say it's, it's very traditional. This is how they do in Japan. It's very traditional this way. <laughs> and then we beat you with the and then we beat you with the with the belt afterwards, you know. I take that from Kempo. I yeah, I'm beat you too with the belt. <laughs> Only place I saw that growing up was in Kempo dojos. Then I started seeing other dojos do it later. <laughs> So here's a question back to that fight. Here's a question. Did they attribute that to judo? Like the, um, that woman's MMA fight with KG, um, the, the girl called KGB. Uh, with KGB, KGB Lee. Yep. 
you're talking about, right? Okay, so when she first did the Ochigari, uh, DC was like, oh, she gave it the inside trip. That's that judo trip. That judo, he's like, that judo thing, because he worked with Khabib, <laughs> oh. so he kind of knows some judo stuff now. Yeah. And then in the second or, or round, DC he called- listens to our podcast and heard us complaining. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's like come to my house one day oh shit no dc please i didn't mean it <laughs> which is funny because uh he's now head coach of a wrestling uh he's a head coach of a high school wrestling team that uh, actually goes against my old high school wrestling club and one of my friends that now oh. teach is now a head coach there actually coaches against him in wrestling matches which is just crazy <laughs> thinking about <laughs> But um, yeah, so in the second round, she said, yeah, she hit it with that Coach Igati, that Coach Igati trip, that judo trip right there. So he he named it afterwards. <laughs> but when they did the Makikomi yep. and the Haragoshi, she was just, oh, those judo throws. Oh, that, I think he called it sacrifice judo throw. I want to oh, say that's, he said that. Makikomi is our sacrifice throw, so that's close. So he, he's, yeah. being ed- so, he's being educated. I, <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to say he said that, but I'm not sure now thinking about it. Because I was very surprised in calling it Coach Igati later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh man, it was uh, no, no. It wasn't Kochigai. I have it right there. I've read it. Was, it down. You said Ochigari. It was Ochigari. Ochigari. Mm-hmm. It was Ochigai that you got her with. He called it Ochigai, the outside trip. But yeah, they he named at least one throw. That was cool. <laughs> and they were, but they were saying after she got the throws, like, oh, she she is a judo practitioner, a judo player. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, cool, she's judo. So afterward, I looked her up and see what her belt rank was. I was assuming black belt, but no, she's just a brown belt. And that's what amazed me is like, look, even a good brown belt can use their judo MMA. So some of these black belts that do MMA, that try MMA out or say, oh, black belt can't do ju- can't do their judo in an MMA ring. It's like, no, nah, this brown belt can do it. You definitely can do it if you apply yourself. Yeah, I mean, it also yeah. depends on the country. Some countries, the only difference between a brown and a black belt is like, you have to go take the kata test, like the nagino kata. And, and depending on their time or whether they can travel that far, then they might not be able to get it. So maybe she's black belt level and just never took the test. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think she's, I want to say they are saying that she's from Texas. So she's an American system. So again, why would she say USA judo KGB then? <laughs> well, maybe she's Russian descent. I don't know. Maybe she's an assassin <laughs> on the side. I don't know. Maybe she does Mortal Kombat. I don't know. All right. <laughs> Hey, you need to stop being racist and assume that she's foreign just because she has a KGB nickname, all right? <laughs> all right, foreign. Give Anthony Flack for that, all right, please. <laughs> but I know you want to talk about something that we talk about on the on the podcast oh often, gosh. and actually we have a video about it, is Tony Ferguson getting caught in a vicious heel hook in his fight. I was screaming when I saw it and I was just like, there's no way he's not tapping, but he didn't tap. He just, you see his face crying and nagging, mm. like holding in the pain. Mm. And technically uh, my wife, technically my wife came out. And I was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Are you okay? I'm like, Ooh, it's, it's a, he's not tapping to the heel hook. Like <laughs> and I was grabbing my, I was, I was actually, uh, my knee felt off. Those after this is right after we had judo practice yesterday. Right. So my knee was feeling uh-huh. really tight and uh, I, that's all I was taking it easy yesterday. And once I got home, I was stretching my knee. I was like pushing my knee down. And then I saw that heel hook and I immediately like pulled my knee back up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You put your brace back on. You put the whole thing together. <laughs> <laughs> the The reason I say is a maybe, yeah, let's see what happens. Because technically in MMA, like when I fought MMA, they told us 
if you scream out in pain, that's technically a verbal submission. And there was a point when he had that heel hook on tight, you saw Tony lean back and scream bloody murder. All right. So technically the ref could have stopped him. I think he was kind of grunting. I looked at me like he was screaming. It was like, ah, I don't, oh, I'm not used to this. Uh, (laughs) But also, um, who's the guy that he fought? What was his name? Um, Uh, Benil Darush. Yeah, Darush. Darush said in the interview afterwards, that he heard and felt the popping and cracking in he his heard knees, a pop. So. Yeah. Yeah. So PCL. I, I love that fighter. I've been ever, <laughs> ever since I first saw him fight, uh, I, I, I told Jess, like we used to watch the UFC together all the time. I'm like, I like that guy's like great all around fighter mm-hmm. with great grappling and striking and everything. And it's too many. He's a little old now, I think, but nah, he wants I, to go for a title. Now, I think Darius is a good fighter, too. I was actually rooting for him in this fight. But, yeah, if he did hear some popping or cracking, whatever he said, there's it like PCL, MCL, ACL. The kneecap was still in place, so it was a kneecap game popped out. Even though he was wobbly the rest of the fight, you know, that was still in place. Yeah, one, one really important thing, I, I, um, the commentators pointed out that um, – I don't want to talk about people trash talking to Tony Ferguson about how he's like, he should go retire and all that stuff. But a key point was they they said his like unusual fighting style does not age well. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it basically relies on his athleticism, like be able, being able to be react fast, mm-hmm. move fast, be strong and all that stuff. And like, as you get older, then all you have is fundamentals and techniques and they just emphasize how important it is to do the fundamentals correctly. And I think that, reflects greatly on a lot of problems with judo so (laughs) well it's uh um, it's like what they say the first thing they go is your power the last thing no the first thing to go is your speed the last thing to go is your power and i see that because like i'm a big little machida fan and you can see with leota with his last last fights in bellator it's like ah he's still trying to do the same steps he did before it's just he's not as fast now he's in his early 40s and it's not working like it used to but his students like he has um one or two of his students fight in Bellator also, and they're doing great. Like they're moving in, dashing, they've won their fights. I, I don't know if they're undefeated, but I know they've won most of their Bellator fights. So Yeah, so I think in, in, the, in, the end it, in the end, it uh, depends on your goal. Like in judo, if your goal is to go to the Olympics, then yeah, developing those styles that gets you the win, no matter what, in a short amount of time, in the shortest time frame, it's worth it, right? But then if your goal is to mm-hmm. be a grappler long-term, like I, I intend to do judo until I die. So I don't care about that medal, that <laughs> that local tournament medal. I don't care about that. I, I'm going to work on my fundamentals and timing and technique and stuff. I'm like, I always have um, people asking me like, why don't you go harder? Why don't you use more strength? You're this big muscular, strong guy. I'm just, I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of complimenting myself there, but yeah, they're like, why, oh, don't, you, I'm this, why don't you use more strength? They're like, oh, Anthony, you're so beautiful and amazing and gorgeous <laughs> hair, and you're so strong and tall. I'm like, oh, well, thank you, no, thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you, thank but, you. <laughs> to me, it's like I, if I need that much strength to throw someone that much smaller than me, or um, then it's not, it's not what I want to do. I'm looking for that mm. effortless throw, which is not very. No, I get it. it. Doesn't happen very often, but. Some people value technique over strength. And that's how, that's how I grew up wrestling. It's like, we didn't lift a lot of weights. It was more just working our technique. We shot doubles and stuff, even doing karate growing up. Like we didn't do a lot of fitness of like lifting weights and doing so just like people lifting, but it was like just technique, 
work on our technique, work on our sparring ability. And that's just the way I am. Even though some people think sometimes, oh, Juan is about strength and power. It's like, I'm like that about people. Like I throw people hard, I throw strength at people. But <laughs> like, hey, Juan, you wanna lift weights? Nah. <laughs> but I do do weird <laughs> shit though. When I, I do like to work out, like I love flipping tires. I love using sledgehammers, which is the weirdest shit. I love using the battleship. I'm just waiting rope. for that day. <laughs> I'm just waiting for that day where you call me like, hey, I threw out my back flipping tires. Can you come like, help me? I, I'm underneath the tire. Help me, please, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> or I miss and I hit my own foot or something. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Take me to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you want to talk about the, the last fight? Any up to you? Or, I don't really think there's much grappling about. involved there. Oh, in the first fight, in the, time of the main point. event. Yeah. Talk about the main event, really? <laughs> Don't nod at me. Answer me, Dan. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit of an answer, but there's there's some delay going on, so it's like hard to, to figure out without talking over you. But yes, the main event, Oliveira versus Chandler. All right. You recap this one. I feel like I talk about I talk about fights too much. I, mean, I want your, your perspective, Anthony. Yeah. There was some sort of grappling involved. As far as I remember, some grappling happened and uh, Chandler was just dominating Oliveira with his speed and power and um, just like being super aggressive. But he just, Oliveira caught him and just knocked him out <laughs> on the second round. So <laughs> anything can happen. I guess that was just a, the short version of it. Uh, I It wasn't a very technical fight to me, so I didn't really remember what happened or had any interest in it, but that's just me. I'm, I'm sure other people thought it was amazing, but I don't know. I like watching really technical fights. So, Yeah, well, the aspect of grappling that did happen is that in the first round when Oliveira got caught, I can't remember if he went for his own takedown or for the scramble takedown. I, know, I can't remember how they got to the ground, but somehow Oliveira uh, took Chandler's back, got him in a triangle, body triangle, and was just working for the rear naked. He would like do pats and stuff, like bunch of head, posture, and body, do all stuff. And then Chandler freaking hulked out of nowhere and just broke out of it, just powered out of it. And it was like, holy <laughs> shit, somebody test this man. Test this man right now. <laughs> I actually, okay, maybe I shouldn't make allegations on the <laughs> podcast, but I actually was saying something similar to Jess. I'm like, look at that guy. Like, Holy shit, so much. So go test that man. <laughs> test that man. <laughs> so yeah, so then he got back up and he pre like Chandler like finished the match strong. Like he was um beating up Oliveira, caught him. Oliveira just kept on moving though. It was close to being finished. I'll give that to him. Chandler came in strong. But then in the second round came out and it was only 19 seconds. Oliveira caught him with this hook, caught him with, uh, what was it, a left hook? Yeah, it was a left, come left hook and just stayed on him. Just kind of bah, bah, got him with the fence, bah, make him fall again. He went down the ground, finished with some more pounding on top. Like, no, it's was, it was like cross two, whatever. He got him with more hooks on the bottom, I think it was, mm-hmm. end of the round. And that was it. And I thought it was funny when uh, Oliveira, when he was doing the post-fight interview, when he told Dana, so you give me a Bellator boxer, this is what I do to him. <laughs> <laughs> Man, like, though, just from, watch, just from watching that fight, I think if they fought 10 times, I think Chandler would win like seven out of 10 times. That's just my, just from that Ooh. fight. I don't know. I don't know both of these fighters. I'm just saying mm-hmm. based off of that fight that I saw last night, it looked like Chandler would win most of the time so 
Well, he came out guns a-blazing, you know, that was his whole thing. That's what he did the first time when he fought um, that Australian kid. The first, mm -hmm. uh, was he fought in um, Abu Dhabi they fought or what are the Arab Emirates? Where they fought last time? Like, as he came, he just came out strong boxing him. And that's what he used to do in Bellator too, you know? Yeah. All right. So, I'm spending a lot of time talking about MMA. Uh, <laughs> well, talk about the last one you see it, So, um, as some people may not know, or some people may know, actually, they follow us, our dojo, personal dojo, is reopening. And it's because mm -hmm. California, where we live in California, Los Angeles, we are now in what they call the yellow tier here, which is one of the lowest tiers you can be at. Which, So we're, we're just going to start doing judo inside the dojo. We're going to wear masks. We're going to have full geese, but our locker room's still closed. You got to come fully dressed. And we're going to do a lot of tachiwaza. How do you feel about that, Anthony? I'm just glad we're going back inside, like, People, I could sense people are getting tired of training outside. Like Uchikomi and Nagakomi on crash pads are fun, but there's only so much you can do. And um, we did start to see attendance drop. And I don't know if that was due to people getting bored or whether it was work because things are starting to reopen and or whether mm -hmm. they're just like, oh, we're going to go back inside anyway. So might as well wait not show up until we go back inside i don't know why yeah. it is but um i'm just glad we're back inside i'm excited about the beginners class because many dojos do not have a beginners class and i feel like hollywood judo as a non we're, we're pretty much a non-profit i don't know what we're filed as but we don't make money out of this um we, we don't do it for we money are yeah. not, we're not pretty much non-profit we are non-profit i I, I'm, I didn't want to make a statement if i was incorrect so okay <laughs> we are a non-profit nobody gets paid um no everyone has a day job and having this beginners program i think would serve as like a kind of um experiment and also would serve as a model for other Nonprofits do the same because we, we already talked about this, how everything's kids. All the other dojos are kids, kids, kids. There's like no adult pro, um, program. If you want adult fundamentals, beginners program, you'd have to go to like a for-profit dojo. Like Jimmy Pedro's, I think, has one and like other places. So I'm interested in how this turns out and I hope it turns out well. Uh, I think we had some pretty, a lot of people asking about it after yeah. we talked about reopening. So we... Mm -hmm. We're not afraid of, um, hopefully they all show up and sign up this next week. Hopefully. Um, yeah, I, I just think it'll be great. And then hopefully we can, um, learn something and share the tips with other people about how we run the, run the program. So, or you, mm -hmm. you guys can share the tips. Yeah. <laughs> well, my thing is like, is uh, not like, but I hope that's, people come and we can build upon this. Cause as long as we have a decent number of people in the beginner's class, we can keep the beginner's class. But if it starts dwindling down to, I say even less than five people or five people, then we might as well just put them in the regular class like we used to. And the thing is that this entire year, I know I've been getting a lot of messages and the other sense of being a lot of messages of people asking, when are you guys reopen? Are you guys doing beginner class soon? Are you taking new students? And I have to tell them, I'm sorry, the dojo's closed. And even when we did reopen to do stuff outside, it mm -hmm. wasn't a regular class. We're going to teach you what you go means. We're going to teach you how to do stuff and technique. No, it's there for you to work on your own technique. And the thing that I find that a lot of people didn't like about training outside is, one, we have very limited mat space. We had a very small mat space. Yep. Two, 
I got thrown yeah, on concrete. You got thrown on concrete a few times. I got thrown <laughs> on concrete like a couple of times. It, it happened when we're doing this. And that's another thing. We're throwing each other on concrete. We're trying to throw each other on the crash pad most of the time. But sometimes you, you just go in deep for a throw and just land on the mats on concrete. And the way that it works mm-hmm. is that you go, in the, you go in the mat, the mat goes back into you, you know? You that shock back into yeah. you and it sucks. But we're going to go back inside our dojo. There's going to be more space. You can move around more. You can start working on combinations. We can start teaching actually technique to people how to fall correctly. What are the um, the manners in judo, I guess you'd call it, like how to bow correctly, what we're doing, mm-hmm. these things, why we do it. And I think starting from beginner's class, like that's what I want to work on, how to fall, how to what the manners in judo yep. are, how to talk, not talk, but like how to properly do stuff what to properly call people and how to start off your fundamentals of like also Tikari, Iponsonagi, Ogoshi and stuff and then build onto that and work on the basics of Neiwaza too, you know, Kesakatame, Yokoshokatame, Tateshiokatame and not work on super fancy stuff just yet, but work mm-hmm. on the base, basics to get you to the yellow belt quickly. Yep. Not quickly, but get you to the yellow belt and then get you the orange belt and then get you the green belt and get you to the regular class at that point. So that's my goal. Yeah, to add on to what you said, like basically a lot of places, because there's a mix of every, advanced, intermediate beginners, you can't really go into detail about these things and you can't spend a lot of time on them. So for mm-hmm. example, ukemi, like break following is treated as like a glorified warm up drill. And most people don't even do it correctly. Um, but you're not going to correct them. It's just a warm-up drill, right? Like you're not going to correct someone's jumping jacks, for example. So <laughs> it's kind of it's just ignored and people don't understand the importance of it and how it limits your um, ability to, to grow as a judoka because, well, the obvious thing, like if you get hurt, you can't train, right? <laughs> so if you can't train, then you can't get better. And the other thing is if you're afraid of falling, then before every attack you make, you're going to, be worrying about getting countered or falling or something and you're not focusing on that attack that you're doing. So there's all these little things that you're not going to sit down or uh, sit a beginner down and explain it to them in a mixed class because there's no time for it. And you can go in more in depth into things like this and how, why Osotogari works because you need to put the weight onto the leg that is reaped. And because most people, when you show them Osotogari, they just kind of like have, they basically do it wrong, right? (laughs) And a beginner's class allows you to go in depth into this. And instead of just having people go through the motions, you're kind of like teaching them how to learn in a sense, I think, and giving them the tools to succeed in um, Philippe's advanced class, I think. So <laughs> to, to succeed in Philippe's advanced class. Yes. <laughs> and not get hurt. Yeah, hurt I mean, and it, come back. <laughs> yeah. In the end, in the end, I think, um, other than that, it's just to increase the retention. Like for me, if we, it doesn't matter if people quit as long as we, or even if the beginner class goes away because we don't have new people coming in, they all graduate and go to the advanced class. That's fine. But as long as we increase the retention rate, then I think that's a success. Like we can show that, okay, having a beginner's class increases retention rates. Then you can start telling other people this and they can just stop going like, well, what can we do? Judo is hard. People quit like, and just like shrug, <laughs> shrug it off, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that, there's a saying that I always say to people like only the strong survive judo because only crazy people <laughs> survive judo. It seems. <laughs> 
but I hope like with this beginner class, like we ease people into it. They're not just being tossed in the wolves. Cause like, I will admit mm-hmm. sometimes when people come to your judo dojo for the first time and there's only one brand new beginner, it can suck to get stuck with that guy. Like you're the instructor is stuck with that person. And I'm saying, we don't want you. We want you. It just, sometimes it can get tedious. So I'll see this sometimes and I'll try to stop it. But sometimes even I'm busy doing stuff, doing my own thing. You'd be like, all right, they've been in, they've done some beginner stuff for two weeks, toss them to the wolves. And you're like, no, don't do it. <laughs> or you'll see, I'm not gonna say who it is. They're tall, very tall, tan gentlemen. They'll be like, oh, brand new person. Here, come with me. Do some Uchikomis with me. Come do some <laughs> Rondori with me. And it's like, no. <laughs> and they're gentle with them. They're not harsh with them, they're not gentle, but some people get yeah. intimidated and scared when they start going with higher rank brown and black belts. <laughs> I also think with um, with the whole shutdown this whole past year and a half or two years for some people, um, there's a pent up demand for grappling. Like people mm-hmm. are at home watching UFC, doing researching martial arts, like doing thinking of ways to exercise. Kind of like how there was a huge demand to buy uh, workout equipment. Um, mm-hmm. My my jujitsu my Brazilian jujitsu club. Like when I went back, I was like, wow, there was more people than when I left. Like when I oh, stopped yeah. going, like. There was, there's definitely a pent up demand. And I think even when we started outdoor practice, you guys were getting emails and calls and more than usual. So mm-hmm. it's a perfect time to, if you have other dojo people, uh, other dojo owners are out there. It's a perfect time to capture this pent up demand, I think. And you should consider having a beginner's class to keep this momentum going and get these people to stay. And I mean, word spreads, right? So oh the kind of like how we have some people in our dojo that has brought in many friends to, to come join. Yeah. There does seem like there's a pent up um, wanting for grappling. I even went to my catch wrestling class. I went back to go visit them to see what they're doing. And we would normally have like maybe five, six of us would be a big class. Like, Oh man, there's six guys here. That's great. I went to go visit. There was like 12 people in the class. Like the, the class was full. And I was like, wow, I've never seen this many people unless it's been a seminar come for catch wrestling. This is great. So I'm kind of hoping that will come to judo that we get a lot of beginners. I want to join our beginners class and some intermediates and guys that already have a belt rank, maybe come to our advanced class, you know, or you mean advanced that's going to be, and it's just if, if you're in the LA area, you know, want to come visit Hollywood judo, I highly encourage it. We're going to have our beginners class is going to be on uh Tuesdays and uh, Saturdays and our advanced class is our normal schedule of Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And if you have kids, we have kids classes also, which are right now Tuesdays and Fridays and it's going to be every other Saturday coming up soon. So that's how we're going to open up the new dojo, but I kind of want to get into, this is a little fun thing that Anthony wanted to talk about. And I think it goes into this also is that when I get people that want to join, they ask, Hey, what do I need to bring with me? What kind of gi do I need to get? And I tell them, um, a judo gi. And most people be like, oh, well, can I wear my BJJ gi? And I'm, and I tell them, okay, well, as long as it's not pink, black, green, purple, brown, whatever other rainbow. color the rainbow it is, <laughs> <laughs> rainbow, you can wear it to practice it because we are a traditional Japanese judo club. We only wear two colors, white and blue. And you can wear a BGJ gi to train, but if you're gonna do judo, I say get a judo gi. If I'm gonna do BJJ, I'm gonna wear a BJJ gi. So, yeah, go, yeah Anthony. If you're re, if you're really traditional, it would be only white. Like only white. Japan, you have no blue gi, only white. I know three guys. No four. I know four guys 
that have only worn Wikis their entire life. They have never worn a bluegie in their life. Mm-hmm. I know four judo players. So Philippe is one of them, right? Yes, Philippe is one of them. <laughs> Philippe is one of them. Um, and Moss is the second one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, to answer what you to go add on what you said, like talk to if you're finding a local judo school, talk to them. Be like, hey, is it cool if I bring my bring my BJJ key? It's like black. It's whatever color. Like for us, um, we're okay with it as long as it's white or blue, right? Yeah. Every dojo is different. Ask them before you go. Um, it's okay if you want to try judo out to just wear your BJJ gi and see if you like it because it doesn't make sense to make you buy a BJJ uh, buy a judo gi when you have a perfectly functional gi there, um, and then you quit like a month later, right? Yeah. But if you're gonna keep doing judo, please just buy a judo gi. It's like a pain in the ass to train with someone <laughs> with these super tight jujitsu gis. Um, not gonna say who um, has the same name as our co-host here. Um, <laughs> he's super tight geese and no, you're just trying he's just to a practice big guy. And, he's just a big guy so any geese tight on him okay <laughs> he's just a big no, boy he, he showed up in a he recently he showed up in a jujitsu gi and it oh, was like he? a suit it was like james bond like <laughs> james bond. <laughs> his chest yeah, all it's, sticky it's, now it's really annoying <laughs> yep it's fine when uh, like if you know, especially if you're training with another beginner and they're just still learning and they don't know how to grab properly and you're just wearing this super tight gi, it's, it's not helping. And um, yeah, just, just buy a judo gi if you're going to do judo. That's yeah. uh, all I have to say. So it doesn't have well, to be expensive. It's a kind of weird one I've had before also is that I've even had a guy that came in before that did Sambo and he wanted like, can I just wear my Sambo gi? And I said, well, you can wear your Sambo gi top. I have no problem with that, but you have to get some judo pants or some kind of pants to wear. Cause you can't be wearing Sambo shorts doing judo. I'm sorry. We do that on the weekends for fun, but not during our normal class time. And do you want to go into like, what are the differences between the gis at all right now? Or do you want to talk about that later? Yeah. Cause so one, one of the questions I got asked before was, can I bring my like old Taekwondo gi or my old karate gi? And the answer is no, because you'll <laughs> probably rip it. And there was a, we had this guy come in and was like, oh, I want to sign up and learn judo. And we're like, okay, you need to buy a gi. And he, he, he was basically like, oh, I'm, I'm going to start when my gi from eBay comes. And I'm like, eBay? <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, like fine. And then he sh- shows up and it's, it's this like karate gi, mm. but even cheaper from made in China or something. And you can like see through the shirt oh, it's one of those ones you sweat and you just becomes a wet t-shirt contest <laughs> yeah so those keys will not last for judo it's gonna rip and um and we know when fabrics rip it means there's a hole you can think fingers can get caught like it's it's the safety issue in this in a sense um and also it's just a waste of money so <laughs> That's why I think we should answer this question what the difference is so let's let's start with uh judo gi versus bjj gi one. All right. So a judo gi. Okay. When you first get a judo gi, it's going to be plain. Like there's not going to be a whole lot of text or nothing on it. So visually it's going to be a big baggier gi. The second way to look at it when you first see a judo gi is that we have two different type of top. Like the top is going to be a regular like sewn cross, but the bottom half, what we call the skirt is going to be a quilted bottom, which is going to be a bit looser because that's where your legs are. So those are like the two easiest visuals to see like, oh, is the gi loose on the person? And is there a quilted bottom where the skirt is? And even with our pants, our pants are a little baggier also. Now, 
when you get to what they call a BJJ gi is, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gi, they're usually a tighter cut on the person because they don't want to give the person as much fabric or material to work with. And their entire jacket is the same material. There's no bottom quilted part. It is the same as top is the same as the bottom. And the pants are usually tighter as well on the person. The one visually different part of the pants that you won't see that often is that the lanyard on the judo pants is usually a normal, like, um, it's a, it's not as thick Those where BJJ strength, lanyards yeah. are like, a, they're, they're like a rope. Like the BJJ yeah, are usually like a I rope guess most it of the time. It depends on, uh, it depends on what brand you buy. Cause, um, I have uh, some that is like judo style. I have some that is like really fancy rope and some just, just like something you get from like Walmart. Like, <laughs> It just depends. Um, <laughs> there's so many, there's not that many judo gi manufacturers out there, but there's tons and tons of jiu-jitsu gi, uh, BJJ gi manufacturers out there. Different styles, different lengths, different bagginess, um, different materials. Some feel like a bathrobe, like it's all nice and cushy. Um, but I yeah. think it's also important to note that what we're talking about right now is like the modern current day judo gi and jiu-jitsu gis because if you look back like way back when they look slightly different because one judo and jiu-jitsu were um, much closer back then and two if you look at a picture of Jigoro Kano in a gi you'll see like the sleeves are like super short and his pants are like super mm -hmm. short so with the olympic ijf sport of judo like it, the gi has evolved over the years and it's gotten more gotten thicker than got thinner and got baggier so just keep mm -hmm. that in mind yeah, because I know back in the day, they actually called what, what they call like jujitsu yis now used to be called back in the, I think the 70s or I think it was in the 60s, used to be called the European cut. Because I guess the Europeans used to cut their gis a little tighter to them. Yeah, that, the Adidas, uh, that Adidas <laughs> European cut. Yeah, he's called the European cut apparently. And that turned into like what the BJJ gis are now. Another interesting thing about BG, about judo gi is that we're just, we just have the gi material. It is just the cotton top, this heavy canvas, not canvas, but the heavy quilted cotton top where sometimes I've noticed more in BGGs now that to save people money on buying rash guards, they'll put like this silk inside or satin inside. So you don't What's get scratched up. up. So you don't scratch your <laughs> chest too much where you don't have one, one of my new keys. I haven't wear, worn yet has that. I'm yeah. Try is it that, what, is that, that's what it's for, right? So you don't scratch your body. So you don't have to wear a rash guard. I, I don't know. It has artwork inside. So I thought it was just artwork, but Ooh. now that you mentioned it, I'm like, Oh, Hmm, maybe that's what it's for. Yeah, because I, I remember reading an article, like an article, like like I was looking at geese, buying new geese and stuff. I, was, I think I was, I think it was on a Fuji one. I think I was there looking at it, like, oh, this mm -hmm. has the satin or silk inside, so you don't have to wear a rash guard, you don't scratch your body as much. And I will say that does happen because I have an old school <laughs> double weave Adidas uh, Adidas gi that's like ten years old, and oh my god, it scratches the crap out of my body. When I, if I don't wear a rash guard with that gi on, I look like road rash when I take that gi off head in practice. Practice. I wish I wish they have that for judo geese, but on the collar. Like uh -huh. I'm about to start wearing turtlenecks because <laughs> I have this like gi rash on the left side of my neck here, and that's right. Is it when you're fighting another righty or doing uchikomi to the righty? Mm -hmm. Um, that's where they they move your collar. So it's been rubbing here hundreds and hundreds of times from uchikomis, and I get this stupid rash here that, <laughs> that burns when I take a shower. Um, so I wish they have that for that. Yeah. Um, but we're going to do another episode. Uh, those are short YouTube videos on 
geese. We're gonna, I'm just going to bring all my geese one day. <laughs> Anthony's going to bring all his geese and then be like a fashion show to be amazing. <laughs> the last visual test yeah. that I could say for BJJ geese versus judo gi is that judo, we're not allowed to have a lot of um, advertisement or ad space on our geese. It's usually mm-hmm. your dojo or country and then maybe on the uh, shoulder, there's something right there. But that's mm-hmm. it for us. We're a beach, a Brazilian yeah, jiu-jitsu If you gi, go on like IJS a, website. Uh-huh. Go ahead, finish what you're saying. Sorry. No, I was just saying like a BJJ gi looks like a damn race NASCAR race car uniform. Like they have patches and stripes and things on their back, the front, the bottom of the skirt, everything. Knee pat on the knees, everywhere. Yeah, usually usually those aren't they don't come factory standard. <laughs> those all those patches. <laughs> it's actually people who choose to stitch them on afterwards, right? Really? And if you go on the IJF website, you'll you'll find the rules and regulation for the gi is saying how big the, the logos can be on the judo gi and where the, the advertisements advertisements are allowed to be. And um, with that said, judo gis are fairly standardized, like from brand to brand, it might vary slightly in materials and slight cuts, but the, the sleeve length, the sleeve, um, the hole in this, um, their sleeves and lapel thickness and the thickness of the material, that's pretty much standardized. And if it's competition legal, they get this like IJF approved red label or blue label, mm-hmm. depending on the year where they changed regulations for the gi. So if you plan on competing, try and buy a, um, a judo gi that has one of those labels on. Um, I don't know when this podcast will be watched again by someone. Maybe they'll use like a purple label sometime two years from now. <laughs> but make sure you In 10 years the, they have the rainbow label. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So check but, that it's approved. And then for the most part, you can go compete with it. And uh, yeah. one last thing I want to talk about the BJJ versus judo gi is that in most, as far as I know, in most BJJ gi competitions, you weigh in with the gi. So mm-hmm. the reason I, I say this is because I asked, I'm like, oh, wouldn't, wouldn't this having like a thicker gi give me more advantage because it's hard as grip? Because that's the thing in judo. In judo, it's hard as grip with a thicker gi. And you're like, yeah, technically, yeah, mm-hmm. but you got to weigh in with your gi, so you got to cut more weight. <laughs> versus in judo, <laughs> in judo, you don't you don't weigh in with your gi. You weigh in naked basically or in your underwear. underwear. (laughs) Yeah. So you don't, your gi is standardized. So that that's the difference. Um, Though I do think there are regulations on BJJ gis too, depending on the competition and uh, organization you compete in. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I was going to say, Oh, about the judo patch. So if the one thing about when you have an IGF judo patch on your gi, it's so that the ref can visually just look at your gi. They see you, they see the gi fits you. They look at the IGF patch and it's like, okay, they're fine. Where if you don't have that patch and they look at you and they're like, mm, I'm not sure if like the sleeves are correct or the length is good here. They'll put you to the side, bring that weird ruler thing out and just start measuring you all over the place to make sure your regulation. Um, yeah, your local tournament might not care, but IJF cares because uh, they get <laughs> they get money for each patch they sell so <laughs> <laughs> yes yes they do so the other gi that would be the next most similar gi to judo would be a sambo gi or a sambo top because in sambo they wear a, a gi top that's very similar to judo and they just wear like red or blue shorts because their colors are red and blue uh, visually when you look at a sambo gi the first thing you're gonna notice is the is their shoulders Shoulder. have these weird yeah. hook things out there that are some people say that they're better for gripping i've heard people say that's more because of culture that's part of their personal like yeah a lot of a lot of eastern european folk style wrestling also chinese uh uh, shorjiao 
I don't speak Mandarin, but in Cantonese, Sutgao, um, wrestling has these collar grips. So I think Sambo takes it from that. It's like combining the judo gi with like these traditional style jacket wrestling yeah. uh, gis. And you don't see them used, like if you watch Sambo, you don't see them used that often, but sometimes you'll see them used every now and then. It's just not a common thing. The other thing is that they don't use colored belts. Their belts are either, if you wear a red belt, if you have a red gi on, you have a blue belt, if you wear the blue gi. But instead of how BJJ and judo is, we just tie our belt around our gi. They have uh, laces inside. So your belt is is uh, laced inside your gi so it stays on there tighter. And if it does become undone, it doesn't fly away or get on the mat. It stays with you the entire time, which I thought was really interesting. But then I also thought, how does your fingers not get caught in that sometime when you go for a belt grip? <laughs> that's what scared me. I was like, oh yeah, what if my finger gets cut in there? I try to throw a guy, my finger's now with that guy and I'm over here, like that's gonna suck. <laughs> Yep. Um, I think it's also a little bit shorter than a judo gi. I've, like I said, I've had a guy come to judo wearing one before and I didn't have a problem with it, but I tell him like, Hey, if you're practicing judo, you should buy a judo gi. But he's like, Oh, I just want to try out. So mm-hmm. he, he only was with us for a while, but it was cool to see a Sambo gi in practice. So, yep. Do you have any experience with any Sambo gis? Do you, no, I don't really know much about it other than I don't think we need to talk about them wearing shorts um and also uh wrestling shoes right yes i don't know sambo also wears wrestling shoes but they look like wrestling shoes yeah they also wear wrestling shoes as well yeah which you're not allowed to wear on a judo mat no mat judo mat no shoes okay (laughs) (laughs) and then um i think the last ones would be like if you wanted to try to come to judo wearing a karate gi or a taekwondo gi doesn't work i know there are some Grappling karate gis are really like heavy canvas gis. I I have that for my Tong Sudoki actually. It's a very heavy canvas one. But you'll sometimes have people coming with this paper thin cotton one that you sweat right through it and just tears. I've seen that. I've seen, we actually had a kid come to the Jojo before. I think he was like in his early 20s. And after a month, they kept on telling him, dude, you got to get a judo gi. Oh, but I have this gi. It's fine. Like, no, man, you have to tell him. And actually one of our other Russian members of the dojo had to tell him in Russian. And I think it was kind of stiff, co- stiff conversation. Tell him in Russian, you need to get a damn judo. He never already. came back. Yeah. He didn't come back after that conversation. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to be mean or say that, but yeah, after they had that Russian conversation, <laughs> KGB. All right. <laughs> and then like after the karate gi, then there's a Taekwondo gi, which is a full pullover, which is based off the, Korean style kimono, which is a pullover style. And yeah, that's another thing. It's just paper thin sometimes. Like it's going to rip if you pull. I've had it, I actually had a Taekwondo guy mm-hmm. come to my karate class and I was teaching a throw and his gi top got torn. Like his collar got torn clear yep. off. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, I've never ever seen my personal, I've never had a, a, a judo gi ripped. Um, but I've seen it rip before. Usually the pants rip, not really the gi. The gi rarely rips. Um, if you if it rips, the first thing I ask people is like, did you bleach it? And the answer is yes. <laughs> I, I, I threw bleach in it because it's like a white gi. I need to keep it white. And it's like, please do not bleach your, your gis. Like it destroys the fabric. So it makes it easier to rip. Um, traditional judo gis are actually slightly yellowish tint, tinted color that's like traditional it wasn't until like modern times that they started bleaching white for um to sell because it looks nicer um 
so as you wear a white gi over time, it, it's going to look a little off white colored, kind of like cars, you know, like white cars don't stay white forever. And um, <laughs> it's going to get a little fray on the, um, on the, um, the collars and stuff is normal. Collars. Like it's normal. Yeah. yeah. If it gets really dirty or smells funky, um, well, if it smells really funky, like those type of cottons, you can't really get the smell out of it. So you, you have to pretty much throw the ghee away, which is why you should wash your ghee every time as soon as possible after practice. Don't let it sit in the bag because you might permanently ruin that ghee. You might just have, it's just going to smell forever and you're going to have to have to get rid of it. But um, otherwise to get blood, if you get blood on your ghee, hydrogen peroxide spot treatment is what you should do. And um if it smells funny, it has a kind of off color on it, then I use white vinegar. I put a cup of white vinegar in with my um, in, in my laundry machine, and that kind of solves the issue. We're going to do this whole ghee video like we talked about, so we'll talk more about that. <laughs> no, I think what you're saying is really good right now because it's true. You shouldn't bleach your ghee because it's going to make the material deteriorate faster. And the spots that I see on actual – I have seen ghee rip and stuff before – is usually at the seams at the bottom when someone grabs it when your jacket's open and they pull mm -hmm. right there that can rip and at the elbow areas when people are pulling for chikomis sometimes that can rip i've seen that happen before and i actually bought a very cheap gi one time i'm not going to say what seller it was it was here in los angeles i bought a cheap gi and i don't think i bleached it at all because i stopped bleaching my gis by then I, I knew at that time the ble bleach was bad and it just out of out of a just out of nowhere, just tore. Like someone pulled it, it tore. I tried sewing it back up <laughs> again. It lasted a little while. <laughs> it tore again. And suddenly it looked like I had this huge scar on my on my gi. It looked like I had this huge rip there. I just kept on sewing it up each time. Like I'm a cheap bastard. I'm not buying a new gi. Which is funny because judo gis are technically <sighs> a lot cheaper than a judo gi. I mean, cheaper than a BJJ gi. Uh, you can get a good judo gi for like 50 bucks. Where a BJJ, a BJJ gi average price is like what? One something. It's one forty. Yeah, the cheapest one I have is one forty. You can find cheaper ones. Like Fuji makes a pretty cheap one, I think. That's like around hundred. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But you can find cheaper ones. Just people don't usually buy those. You know, like they don't look cool. <laughs> they don't look cool. <laughs> my my next BJJ gi that I'm gonna. I already have too much gis, but if I need to buy another gi, I want to get like a Isami gi from Japan. Um that's like plain white, no design, like just white BJJ key hmm. handmade in Japan. That's one I'm going to get next time. All right. So, so we're talking about this. All right. So Anthony, how many geese, how many judo geese do you have right now at your house? Oh my God. Right now. Uh, let me see. One, two, three, four. I have six, at least six, maybe the seventh. There's a seventh one somewhere. Probably seven judo geese. So yeah. down. I have, eight judo geese right now i have wow. what i have i have uh yeah i have eight right now top of my head yeah how many bgj geese do you have i have five <laughs> yeah i have one fun play around bgj gee that is dragon ball themed <laughs> <laughs> I have to, I have to justify my purchase. I got, I, oh, now you got to justify it. You feel bad. Like, oh, I can't, I, I, can't, I can't stop. I can't stop buying geese. My wife is angry at me, but I have reasons for these. Like, <laughs> if you know me, like my weight fluctuates a lot. Like 
I go from 170 to 230. Like I, I, that's the range that I jump between, right? I have never so I hold on, hold up. Skis. Time out. I have never seen you at 170. I've known you for almost four <laughs> years now. All right. I w- I was 170 after I came back from my first Japan trip, and I was living in Texas at one time. And whenever I go travel, I actually lose weight. You know how most people gain weight? I lose weight because I don't eat. I, I'm an endomorph. I have to eat a lot to maintain my weight. Mm-hmm. And um. I had trouble gaining weight as a kid. I'm six foot four. Um, I was 160 pounds since I was between the age of 16 and 22. I, I was 160 pounds. And during college was when I started bulking. I, I, I'm turning this into a whole different podcast episode, but <laughs> long story short, I had trouble gaining weight, right? So whenever I go on vacation, I lose weight. And then as I started working out more, I gained more weight. And then um, my weight was hovering between the two weight classes for judo. And then after my knee surgery recently, I lost weight again. And then I gained all that weight plus more because I've been just lifting upper body. Plus now I can do lower body exercises. So yeah, between 175-ish and 230 is where my weight's been the last like five years. Um, okay. So throughout that fi- those five years, I've had to buy different geese. And you got to also keep in mind the geese shrink, right? And then they don't become competition mm-hmm. legal. So now you buy a gee that's like, just for competition because you don't want to wear it for both training and competition because then they'll get legal and how often you compete. So you only wear those geese for yeah. competition to keep them legal as long as possible to save money, right? Because I don't want to have to run out and buy a gi every time I decide to, to go compete. And then you copy and paste that for <laughs> BJJ. And like one of the geese <laughs> I have now, I hand it down to Jess because it's too small. And, you know, um, it's, it's just shrink way too much oh, from so all my sweet. washing. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. So that's how I have all these geese. And then you have, you got to have the blue <laughs> one for competition, right? Cause um, oh, once, yeah. once you get to a certain rank in nationals, you have to have a blue gee. Yeah. You can't you do, do the go, white. It's blue not blue. rank. It's once you, it's once you get to a certain tournament level, you have to have a blue and a white gee and they'll let you know, like when you're up, which yeah, you have to the, have on and sucks. No, 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 you have to go I, find this, a corner to go change in real quick. <laughs> This was this is where the confusion is because I was there when the refs were arguing like, oh, you can't wear a blue key. And they're like, yes, they, the, the refs are literally arguing in front of me like, you don't have to wear a blue key for this division. <laughs> and it's like, no, they do. And I think the consensus is if you're not a novice and the tournament mm-hmm. is big enough, like a, like San Jose tournament or USA Nationals, you need a white and a blue key. Mm-hmm. So I think for novice, most of the tournaments are pretty safe with not having to have a blue key. But once you're out of novice, you have to have a blue key. You just just go get one. Yeah. If you're if you're a competitor and you're not a novice, <laughs> get ready to buy a blue key. Safe bet. Yeah. Well, if you're competing, like I personally, I have one blue double weave gi for competition, and I have one white double weave gi for competition. And then mm-hmm. my I got one for Christmas. I got a brand new white double weave gi for Christmas. I'm like, hmm, do I want to use that for practice or do I want to change my double weave? Because one of them's gonna go into start regular comp- <laughs> regular practice comp- regular practice gis. Do I want to do the brand new one, save that for competition, or my old competition gi turn that into a practice gi? And then I have my really old like armor armor adidas gi that's double weave old school mm-hmm. one that they don't make it that thick no more like seriously when i wash this gi i could i could just leave it right there i know dry I, it doesn't fold it doesn't move anywhere i just mm-hmm. put it right there and just, just it'll be arms out like this 
to further my justification of all the geese I own, you, you remember back then <laughs> Double Weave was was Double Weave. Like it was thick. And then I think it was mm-hmm. three years ago they or two years ago, they changed the, the Double Weave gee was just way too thick. So they changed it to 1.5 weave, but they still call it Double Weave. Mm-hmm. But you'll yeah. if you go on, um, I don't know if they still have it, but if you go on Fuji's website, they'll sell like 2017 legal version. This is not legal anymore because that was the old school Double Weave gee. All the new double weave geese are actually just 1.5 weave. Um, I think the IJF wanted to discourage grip breaking. They want to encourage people to get grips easier for spectators. Um, so that's why they changed the, the grip level. And um, Fuji used to sell this double weave gee that was double sided. So basically, oh. you can flip your pants and your your your, your gee inside out, and it will go from white to blue easily. That was like 2.5 weave because I knew I had the sensei. I had the sensei um, uh, in Texas, um, Dario, sensei Dario in Texas. He would wear this gi and I would hate training with him every single time I tr- he wears that gi. Uh-huh. It was double weave was hard to grip already. This this thing was like grabbing a freaking python. <laughs> like <laughs> I hate the double geese for a totally different reason. And I don't know. I'm I'm sorry if I'm gonna offend you. I'm sorry if I'm gonna offend anybody out there. But I think if you have a double weave gi, you are dirty as mm, okay. Because think about it. <laughs> all right, you're having gi inside out. Okay, you're sweating. You're doing stuff. You're doing all stuff. And then you're gonna turn that gi inside out. And I'm gonna practice with that side now out. It's just like <laughs> so. Now I got that inside sweat it's right meant now for competitions. Uh, hey, it's you meant know for how competitions. You know how hard we sweat <laughs> even at competitions. Okay. And I don't want nobody's skin marks on me. All right. Tell you that much. <laughs> That's what sucks about those tournaments. It's like, they expect you to change your gi, but there's no changing area. You got to run all the way to the restroom and there's some little kid in a urinal splashing everywhere. <laughs> like, and you're trying to change into this gi. I change behind. Like, I'm going to tell people now, if you ever see me at the nationals, I'm behind the bleachers changing. Okay. <laughs> you ever see it? Ever see Sensei I, I see people do that. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the thing. Well, there are kids there. I don't want to be put on, you know, nowadays I don't want to be put on some list. Cause I was like <laughs> stripping in front of a kid, you know, like, or a woman, you know, someone walking in on you, you know, it's tough. <laughs> so that's so, the, that's the things with geese right now. This is our geese. Like Anthony has a lot of bunch of BJJ geese. Cause he does BJJ. I have one only, I have only one BJJ gi because a Dragon Ball theme one, I thought was very funny. A friend sent it to me as a joke, a mm-hmm. video of it. And I was like, I want that. So I looked for it. I found it. I found it in blue. They had it in orange and blue. And I was like, I'm a judo player. I only wear blue. Thank you. So I call it my Fujita gi. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Some days I train back to back. Like um, there, there was a time when after I would train in the afternoon, I would train in the evening, and then my gi wouldn't dry in time, or I'd go cross train at a different dojo or a different club. So I needed like a clean gi. So that's another reason I have more gis. Um, I also have this one specific, really cheap Mizuno gi that I, I when I first ordered it, I hated it. I was like, this is so cheap. Like I, I, it's not Mizuno quality. Mm. I expect when you hear Mizuno, you expect like good quality, yeah. but this is like the Mizuno Hayato, which is like 65 or 70 bucks. And I hated it at first, especially the pants. The pants were like rubbish, but I, you can always change pants, right? Exchange it to, to different ones and you yeah. wouldn't really notice. But the top, it was thinner than the Fuji single weave. Um, mm. Not tournament legal, well, way too thin. Go ahead. 
Well, those really thin ones are called uh, practice geese. Because I know Adidas sells a very thin practice yeah. gee, they call it. And I've seen some white belts buy them because they're really cheap. And I'm just like, man, is this is this even a judo gear? Like moving it around and stuff. Like, oh, I hope it doesn't break. Yeah, I, I've been. I don't know. Really, I don't know if you noticed. That. I've been wearing the ski outdoors because I learned to love it because Have it you? was a great. Oh. It was a great summer gear. Like, I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that heat wave we've had for that whole week in LA, where it was like 106 degrees, and we were training at the dojo with like no AC. Um, it was great for that. I think I had my. It was a great summer. I think gear. I had my double weave on. <laughs> yeah it was a totally great so, summer gi and then what when i went to japan uh, um here when i went to japan i brought my fuji single weave which was a mistake i should have brought that mizuno hayate because mm. just the fuji took up more space in my bag and as a tall person tall and big person um pa- backpacks they make standard size they don't scale they don't come in like all these different sizes <laughs> like uh like um judo geese do so i have this pretty standard size backpack that i brought to japan and every single inch counts and i should have brought that hayato mizuno gi which was would have been much lighter saved a lot of space and yeah i love that gi now even though it's pretty cheap <laughs> so <laughs> well what brands do you have I have Mizuno. I have a Kusakura from Japan and um, Mizuno, they have like a line that is made in Japan and a line that's made in Pakistan. And if you don't know, most of the, most of the judo and BJJ geese come into Pakistan probably from the same two or three factories. So you basically send them a pattern um, that you want to make and they'll, they'll make it essentially. So most of the geese from Pakistan are pretty much the same, just different weaves and uh, materials that you pick, but they're from the same factory. So basically Mizuno, Fuji, um, Kusakura, and yeah, the two Mizunos, yeah. All right. And then BJ, so a bunch of BJGs. <laughs> the only one I'm missing is a Fuji, um, Fighting Films. Oh. Fighting Films is another popular one. Yeah, yeah one of our members, like years, like I say maybe three or four years ago now, he bought um, a blue gi, like I think whatever he bought like one gi like one color and they sent him both colors only charge mm-hmm. him from one color he bought like a blue but they sent him a white as well so oh. he was lucky like oh, I got these two geese it's amazing it's like that's fantastic that's great <laughs> don't tell him don't tell him all right <laughs> just write a good review amazing <laughs> gi fits fits fantastic <laughs> <laughs> uh, have uh what what's your what's your favorite gi out of all the ones you own uh well, okay. So majority of my geese I have are from, uh, they're mostly Fuji geese. I have, I want to say I have, so I have eight judo geese. So I'll say at least four of them are Fuji. One is Adidas and two are Golden Tiger. So no, so I have more, I have more than that. So it'd have to be, so I have to be like five or five are Fuji. One's Adidas and two in Golden Tiger. Yeah, that's my geese right there. And I always wanted to get, there's this old school, you can still get it, still find it stuff, but I wanted the old school Adidas, mm-hmm. black and white. So it's the white gee with the black stripes on the side, old school double weave. I thought that was the coolest damn gee. But since I'm just a cheap bastard Metskin, <laughs> it's so <laughs> expensive. I was like, I can't drive myself to pay for that. But the Fuji double weave looks just as, not just, it looks nice. It looks nice. I love that gee too. It's one of my favorite geese. And it's double weave. I'll buy that one instead. <laughs> See, I really hate that shoulder 
stri- design stripe. Really? That the I, li- I like the. I, I love yeah, that's why I never bought a Adidas key. Oh, I love that black and white. Well, if you like that, do you, you you know Fuji came out with a new one of their new premium judo brands called Ipon Gear that they're mm. sponsoring and all the the events now. Yeah, they have the same similar design. It's not a stripe, but it says Ipon Gear, but it's black and white. Maybe you'd like that. Well, I just got a brand new gi for Christmas. I haven't broken in yet. So I got to break that one in still. So and I have eight gi. Anthony, I have eight gis right now. I'm okay. All right. I'm not like you need 15 gis. <laughs> so like, like I said, a lot of them aren't competition legal already, but um, yeah, like wear them. Just, you need a winter jacket and a, and a spring jacket. So why not have winter gi and a, and a summer gi? Well, here's a little funny story. So a long time ago, I bought this judo gi from another, it was a small store as a from martial arts supply store here in Los Angeles. And it was their brand, their brand, uh, their brand, yeah, their brand blue gi. Mm-hmm. It was a size five. It was seemed like a little bit smaller when I bought it, but it was like, it was fine for practice and stuff. It was kind of a lighter gi. Washing and washing and washing it, it shrank so much. It was like, I look like Judo Kano in those films, you know, it has this very short mm-hmm. sleeves. <laughs> I look like that. So I had this short ass jacket. So after a while, I was like, you want to know what? I can't wear this jacket no more. I've donated to Jojo. You use a loaner or sell to somebody, whatever. And now one of our smallest female members of the dojo, she bought oh it God. and wears it sometime. And it's, and oh if you know God. what I'm talking about, you might see her wear it sometimes. So she has it now and it's big on her. So I'm just like, can you imagine this tiny jacket on me, big guy, small coat. And now it's her little girl, big jacket. <laughs> I should donate some of my geese that don't fit anymore. Actually. Um, maybe we use them as loaners, but That's- we don't give free trials. So uh, moot point, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, that's my what favorite. I, that's what I do with most of my geese. When I retire, mm-hmm. they get too old or they don't fit right, or I'm tired of washing them. I donate them to my dojo. Yeah, my my favorite gi is definitely the Kusakura. Um, in terms, okay, in terms of craftsmanship, like you can see the um, the um, the threading and the stitches and material and everything. The Kusakura one is my favorite. It, you can tell it's like a beautiful gi. And I, I really love it. But um, in terms of the fit, I love the new Mizuno one, the new 2019. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're, we're like talking way too long about geese, but the 2019 Mizuno geese that you see <laughs> the athletes wear, the, the cut is just amazing. And um, when I bought it at a Mizuno store in Japan, I always thought I was a size uh, 5.5. But they measured me mm-hmm. there, and they're like, "No, you're you're, you're size four point five, four point five. And then you can you have to buy the gi top and the pants separately. And I realized that fit okay. much better than how they sell it in a package together. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't wear that gi because I'm so it's so like well fitted that <laughs> I'm afraid of it shrinking. So I'm just where, like, where are you gonna wear it then? Where are you gonna wear it at, Anthony? <laughs> I wore I wear it when I teach a kids class sometimes, and I might wear it the next time I go find in a tournament. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's going to be right. my comp. It's, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm going to put it in a case. <laughs> I'm saying it's going to be my competition gi. Is what I'm saying. Um, All right. I haven't been it competing wear it around the gi, house. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm one of those. I'm not one of those guys though. <laughs> um, but okay. What do you think as a beginner? What's the best bang for your buck gi that you should get? Mm. for bang for your buck gi that's a tough one Mm -hmm. because i'm a simple guy and if you're going to very first start judo i don't think you should spend a whole lot of money to see if you don't see if you like it or not and you can get a good gi for very cheap like you can buy 
at the, our, at our dojo, we sold, we sell golden tigers. And I usually recommend golden tiger for beginners because they're cheaper. Like a size five golden tiger. They're not that much cheaper than a Fuji though, right? A little bit. Like I'm saying, well, you're going to save a little money. You know, it's like a golden tiger that costs you 40, yeah. $45, you know, where if you buy okay. a Fuji online, you can get it for 50, $60. Um, at our at our own dojo, we sell Fuji, Adidas. No, we don't sell Fuji. We have Golden Tiger, Adidas, and Mizuno. Mizuno. Those are the ones that we sell at our dojo. But we only you you, you only sell the the Pakistan Mizuno models. Yeah, that's not ones, the, those are the ones that we got. Yeah. Fell off a truck. <laughs> <laughs> but if you yeah, so if you want to buy one online yourself, I'll say get uh-huh. a, like get a Golden Tiger. Like I said, they're a good brand. Okay. You want to spend money, you can mm-hmm. get some nice Adidas for pretty cheap online or get a Fuji that's pretty cheap online. I'm not a fan of Elite personally. I've seen them and they don't feel that mm-hmm. strong to me, but hey, to each yeah. your own, if you like it, work with, uh, get it. And then you get some weird like tiger claws or rainbow something I've seen before. Mm-hmm. So, but. Yeah, I, I like the the fuji single weave because i think they're a little thicker than the, um the golden tiger ones mm-hmm. and my first gi was a fuji single weave uh all-around gi and it, it's still going i still wear it to this day even though it's not it's like up to my like <laughs> almost my forearm here now um but it was it was good because it's thick enough to not give your opponent a super huge advantage in competition so you could bring it to competitions. It wasn't too hot. It wasn't too warm. It wasn't too thin. It felt high quality mm-hmm. and it was just tough. Like it just lasted. It just treated me so well all these years. So I, I think the Fuji um, single weave key is like really, really good. Yeah. That's, it's good. Like no, yeah. Fuji makes some great geese. They're a great company. Like I said, majority of my geese now are all Fuji geese, all of my double weaves except for my yeah. Adidas. So yeah, three of my double weaves are all, Fu- are all Fuji. And they've all worked great for me. Their um, American one was really cheap for a couple of years and are fun to wear because it has like uh, only the strong landed a brave on the inside, which is always fun to look at. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. We, I can uh, when we do those videos, we can talk. I can go more into details about what I like and not like about each key. So maybe some other people out there who are thinking about buying keys can make educated decisions on it because <laughs> I see people doing similar videos for bjj but not many people do it for judo usually it's like mm-hmm. i bought this new fujiki i like it if it's nice but they don't really go into the details of comparing different brands of geese you know so i think they'll they'll mm-hmm. be good um one other thing i want to talk about is wow this is going to be a very long episode one other thing i want to talk about is um a lot of bjj <laughs> people that come into judo we're like, hey, you want to buy? If you need a judo gi, buy it through. You can buy it through us. But most people seem to avoid that and think that they can get a better deal on Amazon or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of B, I think it has to do with a lot of how a lot of BJJ clubs out there, especially the bigger. I'm not going to name names. A lot of bigger chain ones, chain gyms, they sell the gis to you for profit, just like how they sell t-shirts, yeah. and they're they're trying to make a profit, make a living, right? Um, so it might be if they don't have a uniform rule, like you have to buy their key, then it might be cheaper for you to buy it online. But judo, given how most of it is nonprofit, like most of us, I think even us, we're selling it at cost, basically. Um, yeah. And yeah, I don't yeah, I don't think we make a, any profit off our geese we sell to dojo. Or if we do, yes. it's like a dollar. I don't know. Yeah, it's so not so yeah, if you're so. 
if your dojo doesn't have a uniform policy and they sell you geese, you you might as well just buy it there. I don't think it's going to be a difference from buying online and you got to wait for it and you can't try it on, right? Um, also, mm-hmm. um, talk to your sensei. Like my old sensei, they used to um, do group orders. So whenever he has a bunch of beginners getting together and they're like, oh, I need a new gi or something, then they'll, they'll write down a bunch of names. And as I think as a coach, you get a discount when you do group orders through Fuji or something. So it will always be cheaper than if you bought it um, yourself. So make sure if you're doing judo, this is only for judo. I don't know how it works in BJJ, but for judo, talk to your coach, talk to your, your club, um, your club and I don't think they're going to try and like make a profit out of you for the geese. So there's just something out there. And if there's any, and if there's any geek companies out there that want to sponsor us or send us a gee to try out on or try, feel free to send it to Hollywood judo. You know, me and Anthony, you tried it. I wear a size five. Anthony wears a five, six and seven. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> he wears a, Anthony wears a size seven most of the time. <laughs> Well, like I said, because of my weight fluctuation, I've worn between size four and a half to seven. Yeah. So, okay. So get Anthony a six. (laughs) Just be safe. Get Anthony a six. I'm a five, usually good. So you want to send us a gee, try it out. No problem. All right. So another thing people were asking about is, and and it was a fun question that you brought up, Anthony. It was like, what's in our judo Mm -hmm. bag? Now, I don't know if you want to know what's actually in my judo bag or what to bring to judo class. So explain this one to me, Anthony. Well, why don't we start with your first class, like what you should bring? And it's pretty much similar to um, most BJJ club recommendations. It's just a towel, flip-flops, bottle of water, and... Uh, Ice pack, like, ibuprofen, uh, health insurance. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I'm joking. I'm yeah, joking, so, but I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, so the, those are the, uh, the main things. Um, and otherwise, in my bag, I usually have an extra shirt. Uh, an extra pair of underwear in case I need to change it. Um, <laughs> I used to bring a garbage bag um, to put my gi in and my wet uh, rash guard and underwear afterwards and wet towel in there. So it doesn't like stink up the rest of my bag. Cause um, I used to train uh, Muay Thai and judo back to back. And then I'd have to disinfect my bag every single time because I tossed all my dirty gear in there afterwards. But I'm just like, why don't I just put it in the, gar- in the garbage bag, right? <laughs> so I used to bring a, a garbage bag to put my flip-flops and stuff inside. But now I just bought this. Um, some people use a, a what they call a dry bag, mm-hmm. which is kind of what you use for swimming, I think. Like you just, you can put your stuff in there. But I didn't like that because it um, keeps it like cooked up. So bacteria starts growing in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I drive a car and so I have a trunk. Um, so I just got one of those swimming uh, net bags. Like you toss your swimming gear in there to, at the beach kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have it here, but when we do the video, we can show it. Um, <laughs> so basically it, it's, it, it allows it to ventilate and it might make your car stink up a little bit, but it's better than like letting the, the smell get worse. Cause I've, I've had one time where I put it in a garbage bag and opened the bag at the home and I'm just like, <laughs> it's just like chemical it's weapon. only been like an hour right <laughs> yeah so i keep it in this ventilated bag i just and it's easy because you just toss your gear in there you don't have to fold it up and all that stuff you toss all your gear in there and, and bring it home separately and then toss it in my trunk right but if you're living in new york city and commute by train or whatever and you have to toss everything into one bag then i recommend you getting a, a, a dry bag um of some sort and then 
put put it in there or put it in a garbage bag, tie it up, and then put it in your your um your gym bag. Uh, I have lots of tape, uh, a nail clipper, <laughs> um, a bunch of knee braces. <laughs> yeah, I have a bunch of knee braces, <laughs> and um, I used to carry some uh, Muay Thai liniment for soreness, and that's for both for kickboxing and um, and judo. Uh, and um, I have these wet wipes that I use to wipe down after class too. Um, yeah, what do you have in your bag, Juan? A couple of dead bodies, a knife. <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. I don't have that in my bag. Uh, I use my, I have a very, I have a really nice uh, Hayabusa. It's, uh, it's like their leather bag that they had. And it's those, mm-hmm. that's, um, it's perforated. So it has holes in it so it can breathe. But I don't keep my gi in my bag. Like my gi's only yeah. in my bag going to judo and coming home from judo. And usually I'm not that, I'm not out after judo that long. So as soon as I get home, I hang up my gi and then I wash it. Mm-hmm. But so, I have my knee, usually I have my knee braces inside there. I have a pair of MMA gloves inside there. I have my black belt. I have my competition blue belt, my competition white belt. I have a knee pad that I wear in there just in case sometimes. I have uh, a Japanese style towel, like one of those Japanese scarf towels that I use in case I want to take a mm-hmm. quick shower at the dojo. So this yeah. tiny little towel for one to take a shower with. <laughs> and with that, yeah. I also have a uh, shower gel, um, some body spray, not Axe. I use Old Spice. <laughs> and I have, I think I have three different mouth guards or gum shields, apparently, where in the world. Oh, at. yeah. I have a mouth guard too. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. I have three gum shields. I think it's in my bag. My judo passport that has all my judo information inside there. Um, Pre tape in case there's a big injury. And then I have at least two rolls of tape in my bag at all times because I always tape up my fingers, I tape up my wrist sometimes. Mm-hmm. And what else? Do I have anything else inside there? You have flip-flops too, right? Yeah, I got my flip-flops. Yeah, of course. I got flip-flops. No, I'm a bear. I do handstands, you know, walk in there. But that's one thing that if you do come to judo, especially our dojo or any dojo, uh, I know some people are like, oh, I'm going to take my shoes off in the locker room or changing area and then walk to the mat. No, you take your shoes off in the, in the locker room or locker area, changing area. You pull your flip-flops out wear your flip-flops to the mat area and take your flips off right before you get onto the mat. Usually some place will have like mm-hmm. a, a flip-flop area or like a little rim, a little lip right there. You can put your shoes at, your flip-flops at before you get on the mat. So, yep. and don't do bare feet. Don't be like, I'm going to walk, walk, walk. No, no, no. Okay. No yep. bare feet. <laughs> now, so yeah, I got my flip-flops in. Do I have anything else inside there? Huh? No, I think that's it. Yeah. Well, sometimes when you do kata, I'll bring my rubber knife to the dojo. We're practicing kata, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we can go really deep. We'll, we'll just have to bring our bags in one day and just show and tell. <laughs> I'm going to bring my Mary Poppins bag. I'm going to pull out like a bow staff, a sword. <laughs> yep. I, just, I just remember um, Travis Stevens doing one of those videos, like what's in my bag? And it was just like tape, tape. Tape, tape, more tape. tape. <laughs> well, it's funny because I still have, I was going through my bag today actually. And I was like, oh man, I still have my MMA uh-huh. gloves in here. And the whole reason I had that is because one of our members was, he wanted to start doing MMA. So I brought my Muay Thai pads to the dojo and they're still there now, but it'd be like, okay, just so we mm-hmm. do some little play sparring, some little practice or hit the mitts or I'll show them how to hit the mitts. I'll put on the MMA gloves. So that's why I have them there. I don't put on yeah, my MMA gloves. Most of the bags out there. 
Yeah. I used to have those like sport Adidas sports gym bag. Um, mm. Like the, the, it's kind of like a duffel bag, but they're made for people that are like putting their yoga, yoga outfit in there and this bare pair of shoes. And, and it's made for like people that are normal size, not people in my size. <laughs> so by the time I put my judo gi in there, there's like this tiny ass space left. Right. Uh-huh. So I, I needed a bag that could fit a gi of someone my size. Plus, being able to fit my Muay Thai um, uh, gloves and also my knee pads and also a second gi for me to go from judo to jiu-jitsu or vice versa, right? Because some days mm-hmm. I train back back. And I ended up, o- the only one I found that I liked was the Hyperfly uh, duffel bag because they come in like mm-hmm. medium and large. So that bag is the one I have right now because it's like, I, I, I don't like super branded stuff, but that was the only bag that like, met my my needs for um something that's a duffel bag that opens wide to easily put mm-hmm. stuff in and also be able to wear as a backpack um i actually went i actually lent that back to uh to richard for traveling to japan he would yeah. use that as like his travel bag and he liked it a lot so oh, i so recommend nice that bag for anyone that's <laughs> um big and tall like me well he was gonna bring a suitcase i'm like you know we're gonna walk <laughs> around a lot right and there's up and down trains so um yeah, I recommend that bag for anyone else that's like me that's big and tall or needs something that's large capacity to fit all their training gear for back-to-back training. That's a really good bag. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny. Like when I first started doing judo, when I first started doing judo, like I was, I was teaching karate. Like if you live in the LA area, I was teaching karate in Thousand Oaks, Simi Valley area. So I was teaching. So I had a separate bag for my karate stuff, which was a normal size duffel bag. But I have my gi, my mm-hmm. pants, my my shin guards, my gloves. I have all my stuff inside there. So I need a separate bag for my judo one because I don't want to keep emptying it out. Like, oh, I take everything out of here this Monday. They took everything back in here on Tuesday. I take everything out here Thursday. Just so annoying. So I bought this, and you've seen it before. It's my, I call it my light bag. I have this yep. uh, sack. It's like a freaking sack that's made out of a judo gi material. So it's basically a judo jacket made into a backpack or a sack area. And that's my light bag. So if I just got to put my gi in there, put my belt, my gi, extra shirt, and I just stuff my knee braces inside there, and I'm good. It's like, and it's this light bag that I've been, I've used it for years, but mm-hmm. because as I get older, I get more stuff. That's why I have my big, yeah. my big duffel bag now that I use. Yeah. I think we have a luxury. We have the luxury of, um, well, I wouldn't call it luxury because since we have to deal with traffic, but everyone in LA has a car pretty much. So we can just mm-hmm. like technically buy whatever bag we want or not have a bag at all and just throw everything in the trunk. Um, but I just like everything contained once. So I don't have my hands full, like with multiple bags going into the dojo, especially mm-hmm. after you're training, you're tired. Um, and also I, I, did, I don't know if I told you, I'm get, I'm going to get my motorcycle cycles license uh, this month or next month. So, with your knees. I, oh oh s- my God. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> my wife, <laughs> that's what my wife said, but um, you know, some people at the dojo actually commute by motorcycle or bicycle even too. And, just having everything fit on one backpack would actually uh, help a lot. So, mm-hmm. well, it doesn't. Um, again, go to Fuji. Uh, if I've ever been sponsored by them now, Fuji has a really nice um, yeah. stack backpack style uh, bag. I think a like, decent size one. I saw I at. Um, I don't think it was as big as the Hyperfly one that I have. No. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, well, the, is there anything the else Hyperfly, you want to talk about? Oh, all right. More than half or fly. Yeah, the hyperfly duffel bag I have is like the size of the Fuji uh, 
uh, roll, rolling duffel bag. That's how big it is. That's a huge so bag. Just, just to give context. You can, yeah, it's huge. You can stuff a person <laughs> in that bag. <laughs> well, I could probably stuff one of the kids in my kids' class to, in that bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's punishment for the kid. Yeah. You're being bad. Get in the bag. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I think, all right. Was well, uh, there we'll anything else? Long is that enough? <laughs> We're all done. <laughs> we can go right, on and so, on and on. Like. <laughs> All right, so please like, share, if they, subscribe. If people want to hear more, then just if people want to hear more, just go go look at the the videos we're gonna make. So yeah, well, that's another go thing right there. We did talk. <laughs> that's another thing to talk about right there. We're adding videos to our YouTube channel. We're gonna go through the forbidden moves of judo first. Then we're gonna go through leg grabs. Um, we might intertwine. If we get some more videos, we might do the gi videos inside there and stuff. But those are the ones we're going to put out right now. They're going to come out every other week, just like the podcast. So it's be podcast one week, short video the next week. And again, if anybody has any questions, things they want to talk about, they can email us at tatamitalk at gmail.com. You can hit us up on the YouTube channel. Leave us a comment, message on there. You can also hit us up at the Instagram at tatamitalk. You can hit me up at the Jerry underscore Juan. You follow Anthony at Anthony Throws. Hit him up. All right. So if you have any questions, want us to talk about something, talk about geese, want to sponsor us. It's okay. You know, bring it on. I appreciate it. <laughs> Send it to Hollywood Judo Dojo and put the Jerry want now. <laughs> but thank you. Star Please like company, honestly. <laughs> we're going to call him a tatami talk geese. TT geese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Anthony, you have anything left to say? No. All right, peace out.